I, uh, I want to preach a 4th of July message to you today. We've heard a lot of good expositional preaching, haven't we? I mean, I thought we had. So I think I'll preach a topical message just, just to try some of you a little bit. You know, you can be biblical and preach a topical message. I think I'll preach a 4th of July message just because some of you think you can't leave the book you're preaching in for a holiday. I have yet to run across that text of Scripture. Matter of fact, I have a verse that says it's okay. Some people regard a day as holy and some don't. How about extend me some Romans liberty, will you? I want to preach a message to you that I titled American Independence. Our increasing independence from the person, presence, and plan of God. I've been concerned. I don't want you thinking that I get up and preach messages like this all the time, but Wes told me I ought to take aim at the people in the congregation and not everybody else in broad terms. So let's talk about us. We're preachers here. I hear a lot of times in talking to preachers. You know, they're concerned about homosexuality. They're concerned about abortion. They're, they're concerned about um, the direction of our politics. They're concerned about the direction of our nation. And what I'm hearing from preachers, and I talk to a lot of them, is I'm hearing them talk about the fruit that is hanging on the tree. And I don't know, I mean, I'm a gardener. A lot of what you eat today, I started as a seed back in February. I grew the cabbage in your, in your coleslaw. I grew the tomatoes in the salsa. And I can go out to that tomato plant and I can pull all the red tomatoes off of it, crush them up and make salsa, and I'll come back tomorrow, I'll have more red tomatoes on it. I think we pastors like to pull our pistols out and shoot all the fruit off the tree. Gotcha. The fruit's still there. And I've been praying for some time, God, help me to see beyond the fruit to the root. I want to lay the axe at the root of the tree. I want to cut the tree down. I began to think about that and pray about that, and just over the course of time, things began to become real to me. And what I realized was there was an increasing independence from the person of God. There was an increasing independence from the presence of God, and there was an increasing independence from the plan of God. My first scripture to support my topical message. Psalm 14, verse 1. I struggle not to read it in the voice of Mr. T. The fool, the fool, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. I pity the fool that don't believe in God. 
You see, those who want independence from the person of God are my first subject. And they are described in Psalm 14 verse 1. And it is, number one, a denial of His existence. A denial of the existence of God needs to be looked at. Let's classify this group of people. They are atheists. There is is a time in which you and I live when there are more atheists in this country than there has ever been before. Atheism is more acceptable than it's ever been before. Time was when our whole country said only fools don't believe in a God. Now it's it's trendy to, to, to be an atheist. So let's look at the condition of the atheist. The atheist experienced the most wicked form of debauchery. The wickedness that we see in our country is coming because there's an increase in atheism. You say, well, Brother Harold, how can that be? The condition of the atheist is this. There is no God, so there is no restraint. You see, there's things that I'm tempted to do, but don't because God is watching me. If there is no God watching you, and you don't believe that He exists, there's no restraint with what you want to do if you think you can get away with it. We call these people coming out of the closet. You know why they came out of the closet? Said, nobody cares what we do. Nobody, it doesn't matter. We can do what we want. There's no God. There's no restraint. There's just these religious people who are pressing us. There's an acronym for this. It's called YOLO. You only live once. Therefore, do it all, experience it all, try it all, do everything you possibly can, die with no regrets. I remember that song about that guy that was living like he was dying and he didn't go to church and repent of his sins. He, he went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. He went skydiving. He went Rocky Mountain climbing. He only lives once. There's no God. There's no concern after death. There's no God. We can do anything we want and anything goes. These people used to be on the fringe of our society and now they are at the center of our society and that is the root cause of the problem. America is increasing in their denial of the existence of God. Celebrities say this. Do you know who the most listened to man in our generation is? He's a UFC fight commentator that used to do Fear Factor, the TV show. It's the number one podcast in America. Millions of people listen to Joe Rogan every single day. Joe Rogan says God doesn't exist. And he says it all the time. And he mocks God and he mocks the Bible and he's okay with all sorts of recreational drugs. He's okay with any kind of lifestyle and we preachers are up preaching against drugs and and preaching against the lifestyle when we really should be dealing with the celebrities in our culture that our culture looks up to and says, I want to grow up to be like him. Do you know there's a segment of our society who gets a tattoo of Joe Rogan on their bodies? And they send it in to Joe Rogan hoping that he will put the tattoo of his face on their body on his show for the world to see. Friend, when we idolize atheists, our independence from the person of God is increasing. Now what do the children of atheists look like? 
the children of atheists pushed the bounds of moral society further than any generation before them. Their parents have told them there is no God. Their parents have told them there is nothing else. Their parents have told them you only live once. Therefore, they tell their eight-year-old boy that if you want to be a girl, that's fine. There is no creator. You evolved to this and we're still evolving and this could be a higher form of human life for you to try to alter the gender that the God who don't exist gave you. The increase of atheism leads us further into the moral decay and depravity of mankind. What about those who are in increasing independence from the presence of God? This is group number two. We have the denial of his existence in Psalm 14.1. We have disregard for his engagement in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 4. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last day scoffers, walking after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Not from the beginning of evolution. These people believe in a creator. They just don't think God's coming back. They believe in a God that created. They believe in a God that sustains. But here's their problem. They don't believe that God is interested in what's going on with mankind. Let's classify these who disregard God's engagement. You could classify them as the moralist or the deist. Believe in a God. Just don't believe He has any interest in us and they don't have much interest in Him. Well, Brother Harold, if we classify them as a moralist, what is their condition? I mean, how would you describe these people? I want to describe these people so that you can look in the society that we live in and spot the moralist. The atheist says there is no God. I don't even believe in his person. The moralist says, no, 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 there's a, there's a God, but he's up there, we're down here, it's just kind of, you know, whatever. I, I've got some, I, I believe in creation, I, I believe there's a higher power, but I'm marching to the beat of my own drum. These people would consider themselves as spiritual. You're Christian? No, I'm, I'm spiritual. I believe in God. I mean, I, I, I'm, I, I've got morals. I'm going to tell you what. These are honest people. They're honest people. They pay their bills. They pay their rent. They pay for their car. They work hard. They cuss. But cussing's acceptable in their morals because whatever society deems as acceptable, they'll gradually receive that. So have you noticed the increase in foul language in our day? Have you noticed how more and more acceptable it is to use words that my mother would have slapped my mouth for? But they vote Republican. They're conservative. They're pro-capitalism. They hate communism. I kind of like them. I do too. But think about it this way. They have respect for the church, but they rarely attend. I remember one time when I was, I was pastor here, I was working a part-time job. I was working in a taxidermy shop. We'd hired a new taxidermist. 
<laughs> he, he, didn't have, he didn't know anything about God. He didn't know anything about church. We were going to lunch. I said, let me stop by the office and grab something. So we pulled in here, and somebody had done a donut out here in the grass beside the church. And he said, who would do such a thing? And I'm like, you never darken the doorway of a church. Why would you care? He goes, you go to hell for that. You don't do that to a churchyard. I mean, here was a guy that was, you know, divorced multiple times, sleeps with all sorts of women. He's a womanizer, you know. He'll drink on the weekends. He's a good, I mean, he chews beech nut, you know. He drives a four-wheel drive. He votes for the Republican candidate. He knows that's wrong. You should respect the house of God. He's a moralist. He believes in a God. He knows we didn't evolve out of a slime pit, little one-cell thing doing this, and built a skyscraper. He don't buy that mess. He knows there's a God. But friend, here's the problem. He knows there's a God, but he don't think God's interested. You'll see this especially among veterans, military types. They stand for the flag. They're patriotic. They love their country. And let me tell you something. They're appalled by the atheist. I'm sick of these queers. That's what they'll say. They're ruining this country. I'm sick of these liberals. They're ruining this country. We've got to get this country back to Andy Griffith. We've got to get this country back to the way it was in the 50s when everybody had some morals about them, and that's all they want to go back to. They don't want to go to Christianity. They just want to get everybody back to some kind of moral footing where we get rid of all the weirdos that are coming out of the closet that are becoming acceptable. Are you seeing an uptick in, this, in these kind of people? Are you seeing more and more of these kind of people? Is this becoming more and more prevalent? Is more and more people increasing their independence from the presence of God? What do their children look like? You don't raise your kids faithfully in church and you just tell them there's a God up there somewhere and you do good and you try hard, you might end up in heaven. These kids will grow up and say, I don't buy that. I'm looking at Joe Rogan. I'm looking at the athletes. I'm looking at Hollywood. I'm looking at the singers. I'm looking at all these people. They're having fun. Dad's over here telling me to live right and pay my bills. They're raising atheists. The atheists are on the increase because the moralists are on the increase. The deists are on the increase. Believe in a God, just don't know much about Him. Remember, I'm trying to get back to the root of the tree. Trying to explain where all this fruit's coming from. And it's coming from an independence. The person of God, the presence of God. Number three, and it's got a three-point topical message. The plan of God. Well, Brother Harold, you've done described and classified the atheist. You've classified the moralist. I'm going to classify the cultural Christian, point number three. The casual Christian. Point number three could be described not as a denial of his existence. These are not atheists. Not in a disregard for his engagement. These are not moralists. These who have a dismissal of his expectations. That's where it's at. I'm preaching to a group of men that I'll guarantee pastor a handful of them in every church. So, Brother Hill, do you classify these as casual Christians? 
Yep, and since it's a topical message, I got a Bible verse for that. Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw, ne- draw near me with their mouth, and with their lips they do honor me, but have removed their hearts far from me, and for fear toward me have taught by the precept of men. We're sitting with churches filled with people who say they're Christians, say they love God, and their hearts have no interest in the things of God. Well, Brother Harold, what's the condition of the cultural Christian, the casual Christian, the churchgoer? Number one, they know the gospel. They've heard it. They've heard it over and over and over. They know the gospel. They can probably even articulate it. Here's the problem. They're not serious about it. It hasn't gripped them. It hasn't stirred them. It hasn't driven them to take serious the relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. They may or may not be saved. I'm not God. I don't judge. You say, well, Brother Harold, if they're not doing X, Y, and Z, they're not a Christian. You know, I've had times in my life where I didn't do X, Y, and Z. Did I lose my salvation? King David didn't act like a Christian for a while there too. Did he lose his? Well, it's quiet in here. Somebody should have agreed with me. Are you a free will Baptist? Do we lose this and get it back and lose it and get it back? Does our spiritual life look like a heart monitor? Saved and lost, saved and lost, saved and lost. Hope a down and upswing. No, I submit to you that even the children of God for times can fall away from their fellowship with the Lord and never lose their relationship with the Lord. I'm still a child of the God even when I wander off and fall in a hog trough and feed hogs for a living. But I've got a father that stands on the front porch ready for me to come home. And I've got something even better than that. I've got the Spirit of God dwelling in me saying, Son, you don't live in a hog pen. Get up and go home. Now here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that every casual Christian that I ever pastor is in a temporary hog pen. And the preaching of the God applied by the Spirit of God is going to stir the heart of a prodigal Christian and bring them back to a faithful, fervent relationship with God the Father through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. What's their condition, preacher? Condition of the casual Christian is this. The world looks at them as examples of Christianity. Oh, I know what Christians are. I know what they do. I drink with them on the weekends. Listen, I'm not a teetotaler, okay? Some of you may be. That's fine. It's your position. The kind of drinking I'm discussing here is partying. Christians have no business in this, whether you're a teetotaler, whether you you believe that it's okay as long as you don't over-imbibe, whatever your position is, we have no business at a party reveling in alcohol. No business in this. Casual Christians do. They dabble the line. They go back and forth. The world sees them as hypocrites. If we're not careful, we'll view them as church discipline cases. Well, I wonder what the children of the casual Christian look like. 
The casual Christian's children spend more time at the ball field than they do church. More time on vacation than they do church. More time at public school events than they do at church. And the kids learn from, from parental example that they don't need to retain religion in their life. This is something to do when there's nothing else to do. The kids of the casual Christians fall into moralism. Mom and dad didn't demonstrate what church membership looked like, so they believe in a God, but because mom and dad didn't believe in the plan of God, their kids fall into a denial of the presence of God. He's probably up there. He's some big sky daddy that's looking down on us. Maybe he exists, maybe he doesn't. I don't really know. Friend, I'm telling you this because I really believe this is the root cause of every fruit of sin that we see on the tree of the American people. And I'm not telling you don't go back and preach on drunkenness. Don't go back and preach on homosexuality. Don't, I'm not saying you, you shouldn't talk about the fruit. The fruit's there. It's bad. But if we don't draw our axe out and start hammering on the roots of this tree... We're never going to get all the fruit picked off. Okay, preacher, you've outlined the problem. We're with you. What's the solution? Unless God intervenes, we have no hope. But I want to address how we should address each of these three groups. I think this is a plan of action. I think this is a solution to the problem. And I think it requires God's intervention. But I don't think God's going to intervene if we're going to sit back on our laurels and talk about what's wrong and not offer any correction. Number one, dealing with those that dismiss the plan of God, the dismissal of his expectations. Get out of legalism and get into loveism. I made that word up, but you're free to use it. You don't even have to credit me with it. Say, I heard a hillbilly one time, he called it loveism. It's the opposite of legalism. And here's our problem. We want so bad to fix the problem that we want to develop a system, a program, a set of rules, something we can follow, X plus Y equals Z, A minus B equals C, and we want all these rules and regulations in our church to ensure that we don't produce any of this bad fruit out of casual Christians. Rules don't change casual Christians. Christ does. Rules don't change casual Christians. Christ does. Boy, at this church, you can't come in our church unless you've got these certain clothes on. You won't come in here unless you've got this certain kind of haircut. And this ensures everybody here is with Christ. That group was running the temple when Christ came. You're not fixing your church fooling around with Christ's bride and you're, you're, you're complicating the problem. Fellow on the box of Quaker Oaks claims to be a Christian too. We spot him a mile away. Outward externals don't make inward internals. What's the loveism you're talking about? The plan of God for His church is built on love. Don't beat up the people that go to the ball fields every other weekend. 
Love them. Love them. I go to conferences where they beat up the kids at the ball field. Why would mom get up and take the kids to church if the last time you went all you did was beat her up about doing it? You know what the rules are for Lee Creek, for membership? You have to attend four times in a year or we'll kick you out. I said that for effect. Some of you was like, what? You miss three Sundays at our church, you're gone. You show up four times at Lee Creek, Joseph Allen's going to preach the gospel to you four times. Do you know what affects your church attendance? The gospel. As long as somebody comes in here about every three months and Joseph can deliver the gospel to them, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit of God takes the Word of God and stirs up a casual Christian and puts them back into the fold the way they should be. But if we start booting them out that are, that are casually coming and criticizing them and running them off before they grow, it's not going to work. Don't seek regulation, friend. Seek revival. Seek revival. Your church don't need more rules. Take that 14-page constitution and burn it. Take your bylaws and all your regulations, your dress code, all your rules. Get rid of that stuff. Get down on your knees and beg God to do what only God can. When I said unless God intervenes, we're sunk, everybody said amen. When I said get rid of your legalism, they got cricket quiet in here. What do you do with those that disregard his engagement? The moralist preacher, those who are independent from his presence. I say get out of politics and get into evangelism. Christian nationalists with their laws and hope of governmental reform will never, ever, ever change hearts and minds that are already turned against God. I am sick and tired of Christians telling me if we just made God's laws America's laws, what, we would be Old Testament Israel? You can nod your head up and down. You don't have to say amen. Nobody else even has to know you agree with me. If you open your eyes real big, you can look up and down and nobody will even know you agreed with me and I'll know you agreed with me. I know we're sitting in a mixed multitude. It's my conference. I'll say what I want. You're not going to make rules and make good people. Get out of politics. I don't care if you turn it all conservative. I don't care if we get back to full free market capitalism. I really don't care if we have a Republican governor in every single state. If you don't change the hearts and minds of these people who believe there is a God but don't know Him, you're never going to see a revival. You're never going to change the fruit on this tree. And this country sunk. I'm not talking about fruit, I'm talking about roots. Get out of politics. Get in evangelism. Turn off Fox News. It ain't fair and balanced. It never was. I remember when I said that a few years ago when people still thought it was. I oh, don't even believe in the gospel. He doesn't like Fox News. That's called prophetic preaching is what that is.
You say, what do you tell these moralists? You tell them that God has a name, and it's Jesus Christ. You tell them it's not Mother Nature, and it's not Lady Liberty. That's what they believe in. They're worshiping their God of evolution. They're throwing away their hairspray. They're getting pump-up olive oil so they don't use aerosol when they oil their grills. They're turning their air conditioners up. They're trying to keep cows from doing what cows do for Mother Nature. You know what they need to hear? They need to hear the gospel. God has a name. It's not Mother Nature. It's not Lady Liberty. I thank you for your service to our country. I serve too. But we're not going to win this country through any of that. It's got to be won through the gospel. You say, well, preacher, what are you going to tell those atheists that deny his existence? Christian, I want to tell you to get out of Hollywood and get on holy ground. You say, preachers, yeah, yeah, yeah. we quit preaching against TV a long time ago. We should never stop. I laughed at those old preachers that preached against rock music. I laughed at those old preachers that preached against television. <laughs> old fool. Ain't nothing wrong with TV. Until I came in for Bible study on the premiere of a new show on Wednesday night and half the crowd was gone. What happened? It's a season finale of Survivor. You remember those days? Your casual Christians were there? Remember those days when the moralists were like, I ain't about to go to church on Sunday. It's NFL season. I still like football. But I like it in its proper place. You see, atheism requires condemnation and not compromise. We're never, ever, ever going to win this country by merging the gospel with movies, music, or sports that are all driven by atheists. I love watching the UFC. I love watching people get knocked out cold. Paul watched sports too. I'm in good company. I love it. But I'm not going to idolize it. I'm not going to find a way to weave the gospel into the UFC. I'm not going to idolize some, some person that knocks someone out and then does the cross. That, that doesn't mean he's a Christian. Quit looking for Christians in culture and saying, oh, we're going we're to do a movie about Jesus. We're going to do a TV show. They did a good job with Charlton Heston in the Ten Commandments and still got stuff wrong, and that was a long time ago. They hadn't got better in Hollywood. California hasn't become more Christian since all this started. Why do we keep looking to the celebrities and to the culture? If somebody there might rise up and write a Bible verse in the black makeup under their eyes. Why do we praise a second-rate NFL player like Tim Tebow? I'll tell you why. Because Christians think that compromise with the atheist will bring us all back to Christ, and it won't. Quit watching movies. Crying out loud. Christians' obsession with, with Hollywood? Get off of that.
our country ever regains a majority view of God, people will live differently. Even if we just have less atheists and more moralists, we'll have a better country. If we have less moralists and more casual Christians, we'll have a better country. But friend, if we have more real Bible-believing, gospel-preaching Christians, this country will be drastically different. Drastically different. The root of the problem is that we need to see more people saved. We need to see a higher view of God. And we need to confront fools that say there is no God. My solution is that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm chief. That's the solution. And I'm not hoping that the whole country turns around. I'm hoping that somebody gets saved. Then I'm going to hope somebody else gets saved. Then I'm going to pray, God, save one more. God, save one more. God, save one more. And if our country goes to hell in a handbasket, and all of us have the next POG in jail somewhere. I'm still praying that God save one more. That an atheist believes in a God. That a moralist believes his name's Jesus Christ. That a casual Christian says, kids get up, we're going to church, it's Sunday. Hallelujah.